Man, good morning. Uh, so excited to be here with you guys. Let's pray really quick. Maybe you can pray for me. I'll pray for you. And we just pray God move in this place. Father God, we need you. God, we're just praying that you just would allow us just to um, fill you in these moments, God, that it wouldn't just be me. God, if I'm just going to say some words, let's just go home. God, we don't need my opinion and my thoughts. God, we need you. God, I can't heal hearts. I can't bind up the broken. I can't do anything. Um, But God, you can do everything. So God, we're just praying this morning and you just move in, in your power and your ability in this place. I just pour out your spirit in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to say it again because I've said it 14 times, but good morning. Uh, I, I don't really know another way to start, so I just say that a bunch. Um, um, but this morning, so excited to be here and so excited to continue the series with you guys. Focus. Um, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Second Peter, First Peter. I'm sorry, they're both on the same page for me. First uh, Peter chapter five, and uh, we're going to talk about the idea of focusing today. But we started a series a couple weeks ago, and this is kind of like a piggyback off that series. We started the the, the year with this idea that you can come back. I think for a lot of us, we had this last year, 2019, and we felt far away from God. And even for me, uh, I know maybe that's hard to believe for some of you because you don't hang out with me a lot. But I felt far away from God last year and several times, and I had conversations with so many of you. And a lot of times I initiate those conversations because I don't want you to put all your faith and hope and trust in me. I'm just a guy like you, um, and I'm made out of flesh and, and blood like you, and there's nothing special about me. I go through ups and downs, and I have issues, and I struggle with myself, and I just want you to know that. But last year... Um, I didn't really feel as close to God as I wanted to be. And kind of my goal for me is I never feel, I have to look back and be like, remember when I was close to God? Remember when I used to be this thing or do those things or go those places? I don't want to, I don't want to remember when, the good old days of when I was close to God were. I want to continue to push on and go forward and, and be closer to Him. And last year was a struggle for me, as I know maybe a couple of you it was, and I just prayed at the beginning of the year, God, what would you say? And he said, well, tell everybody they can come back. Tell them they can come back. You don't have to be far away. You don't have to stay there. There's no reason that we have to continue in that, in that farness. We can come near today. And you're like, how do you know that? Because the cross shares that truth, right? Like we were far away from God and he stepped out of heaven because we could never get to him. And he made a way that we could step into his presence so we could come to him through the cross of Jesus. And, and he keeps taking sinners back. I just want you to know that today because some of us are dealing with that. He keeps taking sinners back. And, and you may have said a prayer in the front of the room and you may be saved, but you may have walked away. And he's not mad at you today. I love this. I heard it a few weeks ago. He's not mad at you today. He just misses you. And you can come back. But if we're going to come back, we don't want to just come back for a day or two and then fall away. We want to stay there, right? Like if I'm going to come back to God, I don't want to get back in the same situation that I'm in. And, and as I was praying, God, where would we go next? He said, well, let's, let's talk about focus for a while. How are we going to stay there? The, the permission is there. You can come back. But what are we going to do with it? How are we going to stay there? And then I love that word. It's partly because I'm not very creative and can't come up with these giant, amazing titles. So I just pick one word and it's like, this is the idea. So let's just talk about that. But partly because I love that word, that idea that we could just fix our eyes on something in such a way that the background would blur. 
You think about a camera, I know most of us don't have those anymore except on our phones, but, but if you're good at those things, you, you know how to select what you want to look at, what you want to focus on, and, and get everything else out of the way. And I think that's what we need to do as people as we walk towards God, is just look at Him, lock our eyes on Him in such a way that we could blur the background. And He would be the center of our attention, the thing we're focusing on. And that's what we've been talking about the past few weeks. And this morning we're going to do that again in First Peter chapter 5. Last week we started with this idea that we focus on the glory of God. That we realize that the big picture today is, is the glory of God in our, in our lives. That people see the beauty and the majesty of God in us, not just when we show up to church and raise our hand at that point in time in the song, but when we're at work or school or home or wherever we go and we leave this place, that, that we live in such a way that people see the beauty and the majesty of God in us just as we saw the beauty and the majesty of God in Christ Jesus. And this week we're going to talk about another focus in, in 1 Peter chapter 5. I love um, the fact that there's even a letter of, from Peter, right? I don't know if you know much about Peter. He's a pretty awesome guy about half the time, and then the other half of the time, he's not. And Nick makes a joke a lot of times that probably when me and Nick get to heaven, Peter's going to have some words for us because um, Peter messed it up. Like This is Peter who walked on water, which is amazing, right? Like, I would love to do that. I've tried that before. It didn't work out for me. just went straight to the bottom. Have anybody else ever done that? Like, Walked off a dock or into the pool, and you're like praying, like, God, I just want to walk on and just right down through there. It's fine. The two people that raised your hand, thank you for your honesty. Everybody else, you need to repent later because you just lied because you've tried that. Um, I know you have. Um, but he's the Peter that walked on water. He's, he's this guy who was the first guy, as Jesus was saying, who do people say that I am? And he says, well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the first one that, that gets it, right? Or at least expresses it. You're the Messiah. You're the chosen one. You're the one who's been waiting on. All of eternity has been pushing towards this moment. We're standing right here in front of you. But this is also the Peter that denied Jesus three times right before he went to the cross. I think sometimes we focus on the, the, the great, uh, amazing things about Peter, and we forget that he, he messed it up. Actually, I challenge you, other than like two, one guy, and he, his story was like this long, just straight to heaven, um, to look through the Bible and just, just try to pick a character who didn't. We all mess up. That's like part of this thing that we're living in. Like, I messed up yesterday, I'm going to mess up today, and so did you. We could just get over ourselves. Maybe we could get somewhere. But Peter messed up. Right before Jesus, his best friend, this guy who he allowed him to walk on water, he's the first one that says, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Right before Jesus is about to go to the cross, Peter three times says, I don't know who this guy is. Never met this guy before. And he denies him. He's scared. And he denies him three times. Now, luckily, just a few verses before that, we saw Jesus said he was going to do that. You're going to deny me? No, there's no way. I'm going to go with you even unto death. And he's like, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. But Jesus also says this other amazing thing. He says, but when you return, when you get your act together, when you, when you come back, when you figure it out, when you, when you get done screwing up and being a dummy, when you, when you get done with all that, i got a job for you. Strengthen and build up your brothers. 
Before he ever messed up, Jesus had a plan for reconciliation and restoration, by the way, a word we don't talk about much in the church. He had a plan to build him back up and to put him back in this place. And here we have the proof that Jesus knows exactly what he's talking about in this letter. Denied Jesus three times, and he's got a couple letters in the New Testament. We're reading one of them today. I love that. Because to me, that says God's not done with you. I just want to say that to everybody in this place. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what you're planning on doing. But God's not done with you. God has something for you. And it doesn't matter how bad you screwed it up. You can always come back. And this letter is proof of that. And not just come back and sit in a chair, but come back and be used in a mighty way for the kingdom of God. I just want to say that today. Because maybe somebody's living in the, I remember when I used to be close to God. Or I used to do all these things. And I just want to say, God's not done with you. There didn't have to be a used to be. So we dive into this letter from Peter. He's writing it to the church, a group of people like us who say that we know Jesus, right? Probably most of us today would say, hey, I've been saved. I come down to the front of a room sometime and I prayed some prayer sometime and now I'm saved and I'm, I'm not going to hell when I leave this place. And if you, you can't say that, we, we can talk later. Um, God loves you and he wants you and he's made a way for you on the cross just like everybody else. And he's willing today, if you're ready, <laughs> uh, for you to know him and to be with him and have a relationship with him. But I think for most of us today, we would say that we, we know Jesus, at least surface level, right? Like I said, a prayer that one time. And this is, letter is written to a group of people like that, a group of people that have been saved, a group of people that are followers of Jesus. It actually says that this letter is written to the church of the dispersion, a, a persecuted church, First Peter 1. A persecuted church in the area of what we know today is, is Turkey. This, this church has been dispersed because of persecution. Now they're living in hiding. They're, uh, they're, they're fearful. They're, they're scared. This is the church that he's speaking to. A church that could be killed. A church that could be thrown in jail for their faith. And he's writing this letter in, in the midst of all that persecution. And, he, and he's telling them, this is how you live out your faith. Because in jail or in my living room, it's important today that I connect belief, what I, what I think I believe, my faith with my life. The biggest issue in our life today is not our struggles. We have struggles. All of us have struggles. The biggest issue today in our life is, is, this, is this idea that we, we believe in something that's greater than us. And how do we live like we believe that? And this is this letter. And he gets to chapter 5, which is where we're going to be today. And if you have the uh, super titles above the words, you have conclusion in there, maybe somewhere above verse 8. And he gets to the end. We're going to wrap this letter up. And before he leaves, he doesn't just say, hey, that was great talking to you. I hope you read this. Please print it and put it in every Bible forever for everyone to read. Like he doesn't spend any time doing that. He, he leaves us with this parting thought, this like parting shot. And I'll I'll submit to you today that this is one of the most important parts of this letter. He saves it for the end because it's such an important part of this letter. If you want somebody, you're going to write down five chapters. You got to have kind of an idea that in the middle it's going to get a little fuzzy, right? Like for most of us, if we were to sit here and I was to read all this today, you might remember the beginning Church of the Spurgeon, and you might remember the end, whatever he's about to say. But the middle, probably we might grab a piece of, a little bit of, but we're not going to get the whole thing. So he saves kind of this really important moment for right here at the end, where it says conclusion. Don't stop reading, don't turn it off, because it's the conclusion, it's the important part. 
And the conclusion is this. He writes to this church of persecution and he says, be sober, be on the alert. Be sober, be on the alert. But what is he saying there? He's saying, hey, hey, wake up. Wake up, church. Hey, I need you to pay attention for a minute. I need, I need you to focus for a minute. We're almost to the end. I know I've been reading for a while, but I need your attention. Can, can, we, can we get everybody's eyes up for a second, just for a moment, so, so we can get this part? I need, I need you to know what I'm about to say. I need you to focus on what's about to come. I know it's the end of the letter, and you saw conclusion, and you're thinking we're done, but I need you to hear this today. So he says to these people, hey, be sober. Don't be impaired, right? Don't be thinking about something else. Don't be distracted. And be alert, be vigilant, be focused. These are his words. And whatever he's about to say after this is what he's trying to draw their attention for. Be sober, be alert, focused, look up here. I need to tell you something. And then out of that he writes this. Your adversary, the devil... He's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. He says, pay attention. I need you to know this. I need you to wake up for this. I need you to be sure of this. I need you to focus on this. You have an adversary. Adversary is just a word that means we have an enemy, that there's something against us. We have an adversary. Now, he writes this to, to the church. Everybody that would say they know Jesus, he's writing this to them in this moment in, in modern day Turkey, like 2000 years ago, but he's also writing this to us. He says, Hey, I need you to know this today. You have an enemy. Amen. Thank you, Brad. See, we, we don't think that way today. Why do you, why do you think he's saying, Hey, 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 look up here. Because most of us have forgot, or maybe he never even knew, we have an enemy. There is someone who's against us. He says, you have an adversary. You have an enemy. You need to know. You need to be alert. You need to keep your eyes up. You have someone who's against you. If you don't get anything else that I'm saying today, I want you to hear that. What you do with that information, you do with it. But I want you to know today, there is someone out to get you. You have an enemy. If you know Jesus, there's someone out to kill you. I I would even propose to you today, if you don't know Jesus, you have an enemy. It's not like magically the, the devil loves you because you don't know Jesus. He wants the same thing for your life as he does for my life, and that's to end it as quickly as possible. And he says, you have an adversary. You need to know that today, church, before you go around, like not caring, before you go around, not paying attention, before you just go through the motions every single day and get in your car in the morning and turn the heat on and and drive to work while drinking your coffee and do the job and and eat lunch and and do the job and come home and cook dinner, go through McDonald's and then go to bed and, and maybe watch some TV in between there. You need to know that you have an enemy. And this enemy is the devil. He doesn't beat around the bush on that, does he? What's your enemy not? Your enemy's not your boss. Your enemy's not your spouse. Your enemy's not your friends or the people that aren't your friends. Your enemy's not your bank account. Your enemy's not any earthly thing. It says in the Bible, we battle not against flesh and blood. And maybe it comes off, right, like, This person is against me. That's not the issue. 
It's never a physical thing. It's always a spiritual thing. Don't get along at home. It's a spiritual thing. Don't get along at work. It's a spiritual thing. Don't get along on your way to work. It's a spiritual thing. Don't get along in the hallway. It's a spiritual thing. The people that talk about you, it's a spiritual thing. Your enemy's not people. He's saying focus. Because if not, we're going to fight each other. Focus. You have an enemy, and this enemy is the devil. And I just want you to know before we go any farther, he has a plan for your life. The enemy today has a plan for your life. Just like God has a plan for your life, the enemy today has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life, and that plan is good, and that plan is amazing, and that plan is something that you couldn't even think about or comprehend right now. Most of us are too unalert to ever figure it out. Most of, most of us are too apathetic to ever walk in what God has for us. Most of us don't really care what God wants because we're going to get up and we're going to get in our car and we're going to drive to work and we're going to turn our heat on and we're going to drink our coffee and we're going to go to do the work thing and then we're going to do lunch and then we're going to do the work thing and then we're going to go to McDonald's and then we're going to go to bed and maybe watch TV in between there. And we're never going to think about what God wants or care about what God wants and I'm not trying to talk you into that today. Maybe that's a different message. Maybe that's a different day. You don't have to do what God wants for your life. It's great, and it's amazing, and you wouldn't believe it. But you can get up, and you can drink your coffee, and you can turn your heat on, and you can drive to work. But I want you to know today, even more seriously, you have an enemy. And he wants something for you. He wants something for you today. He has a plan for you today. And here's the plan. Peter spells it out. Your adversary, enemy, the devil, is prowling around, roaming around, like a roaring lion, like a big mouth lion. And he's looking for anybody. He's not discriminate. He's looking for anybody that he can devour, eat up, kill, destroy, gone. This is what he says. At the end of his letter, he says, hey, I need your attention for a moment. I need you to look up for just a minute. Maybe you didn't hear anything before this, but I need you to know there's a seriousness to today. There's something we need to focus on today. And here's the focus. There is an enemy out there, and he wants to kill you, every single one of you. It's not like he wants to kill the church, although that would be great. He's not worried about taking out the body of Christ one group at a time. He's looking for one person. And he's looking today to kill anybody indiscriminately. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how much power you have or how much personality you have. It doesn't matter what spots you got. He's, he's ready to kill anybody. So pay attention. That's, that's, that's the, the, the whole of what he's saying in that message. He's going to talk about it, and he's going to explain it, and he's going to dive into it. And he's going to give us protections from that. But if you turn me off right now, I need you to know this. There's something out there that wants to kill you, and it's the devil. You're like, that's weird. That's, that's too spiritual for me. That's great. Ignore it. But there's somebody out there that wants to kill you. And it's the devil. And it doesn't matter if you believe in him or not. He doesn't care if you believe in him. It's not really a big deal. He's not looking for your belief today. He can kill you while you don't believe. But the imagery here is this imagery of a lion who's roaming around just looking for somebody to kill. So discovery channel with me for just a moment. We're out on the 
savannah, right? Tall grass everywhere. And here comes a herd of juicy, plump-looking, uh, let's go for antelope. I think those are things out there, right? Now, the lion doesn't go up to the front of the herd and pick off Billy Bad Boy in the front, does he? He gets up behind them. He looks for the stragglers. He looks for the ones that maybe aren't paying attention. He looks for the ones that are maybe just sitting there eating. He looks for the ones that are sick and weak, the ones that are wounded. Because that's lunch. The lion is not looking for the biggest, most muscular, theological juggernauts out there. He's looking for anybody who's in the back. Anybody who's not paying attention, anybody who's a little bit weak, anybody who's a little bit wounded, anybody who's a little bit sick, he's looking for those type of meals because those are the easy meals. Now let's pull back off the savannah and just drop down into church for a minute. And he's saying, focus, pay attention, get your head out of the grass. I need you to know that there's something out here that wants to kill you. He's, he's just looking for anybody. And if you're weak or you're wounded or you're sick, you are prime target today for the enemy. If you aren't paying attention, you're prime target today for the enemy. He's looking to take out preachers. I'll just let you know. But he's also looking to take out anybody between the front row and the back row, between the left and the right walls. And because you slide in the back late or because you come in early, it doesn't make a difference. Because you stand on a stage or because you try to stay as far away from the stage as you can, it doesn't make a difference. He's speaking to the church here and he's saying he will literally eat anyone that stands in the same spot for too long. He will literally kill anybody who has their head buried in the grass for too long. Anybody who spends too long being weak, he's going to kill them. Anybody who spends too long being wounded, he's going to kill them. Anybody who spends too long being sick, he's going to kill them. Because his goal is today to kill you. Some of you, I'm not sick, that's not an issue. Aren't you? Apathy, spiritual, I don't care, is the biggest sickness in the church of America today. Coming in and going through the motions is the biggest sickness in the church in America today. We don't have to worry about any other sicknesses in the church in America today because the sickness that has surrounded our heart is, I'm just going to do the thing. Peter's saying, wake up. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Get your head up. Apathy is going to get you killed. Spiritual just... mm. It's going to get you killed. Because there's an enemy today. And it's not your boss. And it's not your 
coworker and it's not your spouse and it's not your kids and it's not your car. Because the devil's plan for your life is not just to make you unhappy. Although great if he can. It's not just to hurt you financially. Although great if he can. It's not just to break up your marriage, although great if he can. It's not just to, to, to put a rift between you and your kids, although great if he can. It's not just today to give you a headache or to be a pain in the back. It's not just to, to, to give you some medical thing. His goal today is not to inconvenience you. It is to kill you. The toolbox is, I'm going to mess with your marriage. Amen. I'm going to say it again. The devil's looking to kill you and in the toolbox is I'm going to mess with your marriage. Because I want to distract you from God and put you in the houses on fire mode and make you think that this problem is going to rip you apart. So you're going to turn to you and you're going to turn away from God. The devil is looking to kill you today. And the toolbox may be the bank account. And the toolbox may be the boss. And it may be the coworker, And it may be your kids. And it may be your health. And it may even be death. But it could also be, I'll give you everything you want. In the toolbox is money. If I can get you to chase that money instead of chasing God, I've got you and I'll kill you. I'll put you in the back. We always think the devil's doing bad stuff to us. No, he doesn't care to hand out good stuff. I'll give you the job you want or the car you want or the stuff you want. I'll give you anything you want because I'm trying to get you to focus on all the world. And forget that you're just passing through this place. We're just out on the savannah trying to get from here to home. But if I can get you to stare at the watering hole too long or to put your head in the grass too long, I'm going to sneak up on you and I'm going to take you out. And I'll, I'll let you know today, if, if you're saved, he, he can't spiritually destroy you. That's not what we're talking about today. So fire insurance check. If all you're looking to do is get to heaven and you don't care how you get there, Proceed. But man, if you're trying to do something other than unhappily limp towards that place, you got to get your head up. You got to focus today. You got to know the enemy today. And you got to know what's not the enemy today because we waste way too much time fighting stuff that's not the enemy. It's like trying to put a band aid on cancer. You can fight with your boss, but it's not going to do anything. Because it's a spiritual issue. You can fight at home, but it's not going to do anything. It's a spiritual issue. He says, you got to look up. The devil come, and he, he wants, ultimately, like, he wants to end your life. End game is, he get you out of here as quickly as possible, so you can't do anything to ever change or to be different. He wants to take you out, but he wants to take you out unhappy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to take your happiness. He, he wants to steal your witness. Because he doesn't want you living in such a way that brings glory and honor to God. He doesn't want anybody seeing the beauty and the majesty of God through you. He wants you to be a jerk. He wants to steal your family. He wants to steal your stuff. He, 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 his end game for you is total annihilation. And Peter says, I want you to know today. 
If you don't hear anything else that I wrote down, I want you to know today, hear ye, hear ye, (laughs) you got an enemy. And I just want to say today, if we're living in an apathetic place towards God, focusing on everything else, you're playing right into the plan. And we could leave it there. Like that's enough for some of us. Some of you will ignore it or you will lean into it, but it's, it's truth either way. But Peter doesn't leave us there because God doesn't leave us there. Hey, somebody's trying to kill you. Good luck. See you in heaven. That's not God's plan for us. Because God's plan for us is life. That we live and we do have joy and peace. That we are happy. So he doesn't leave us there. He says, if if you want to live, if you don't want to just get taken out, here's here's the recipe. Let, Let me show you how to survive on the savannah today. Resist him. I think I have resist. I have that definition back there somewhere, maybe. I'm going to turn around and read it because my eyes are getting old. Uh, Resist is to struggle against someone or something. So to to struggle against him. I want you to know if you're going to resist, there's going to be a struggle. It's not just, hmm, it's easy. You know, like I'm going to to read Psalm 32 today and, and man, just no big deal. But it's also to succeed in ignoring the attraction of... Something wrong or unwise. To resist is to fight back. To to resist is to struggle. If we're going to get out of this thing alive, there's going to be a fight and we are going to struggle. If you're not struggling and you're not fighting, you might not be alive. Got to say that again because we get in our heads sometimes that it's supposed to be easy with Jesus. We're never going to struggle with Jesus. That's a lie. And the Bible speaks over and over and over and over again. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to struggle. And I want you to know today, if you're following Jesus, you will struggle. Not every moment, every day. There's a lot of grace in there. But if you've never struggled to follow Jesus, you probably are already dead. And the devil's not even worried about you. But what does he also say? It's to focus. To, to focus on something. If we're going to resist, we gotta, we got to fight. we got to struggle. But we also had to focus, to ignore all the distractions. What are we focusing on if we want to live? We're focusing on the goal, and the goal is Jesus. We've got, we've got to focus. If we're going to get out of this thing, we got to know where we're going, and we got to run that way. He says, resist him. And he says... Firm in the faith. We're going to resist him. We're going to struggle. But we've got to find a solid place to stand if we're going to resist him. You can't struggle in quicksand. We've got to know what we believe. We have to have faith and we have to stand on that faith. We're going to have to find the bedrock today of our faith. We're going to have to dig down to the, to the very most bottom place, the very most solid place, the place that's Jesus. And we're going to have to stand on that. We're going to resist him. We've got to have a, a firm footing to stand on. You can't resist the devil if you don't know Jesus. If you're not chasing Jesus, if you don't know what God says about who God is, you cannot resist the devil. 
If you don't know the truth about God, what God says that he does, you cannot resist the devil. If you don't know what you believe today and you can't define it and defend it, you cannot struggle. Or at least you can't struggle well. This thing is not some trophy that we carry around. Oh, I'm a Christian. I don't know any of the books and I don't know what any of them says. God teaches us about who he is and what he does. And if you don't know the personality and the character of God, you don't have anything today to stand on. So for a while, you're going to have to come along somebody that can teach you. You're going to have to submit today. I know that's a bad word today. And somebody that's studied. And you're going to have to find somebody that can help you defend what you believe. You don't know what kind of foolish stuff I've said before I believed what God said about God. You cannot do it without this word. He says, if you're going to resist, if you're going to struggle and you're going to keep focused, you've got to have somewhere to stand and you need to stand firm on what you believe. And it says this, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your brothers in the world. Suffering is 100% going to happen if you know Jesus. You're going to suffer if you know Jesus. He says this is true for every brother and sister across the planet. Every believer on the planet will struggle and suffer. Why? Because this is not our home. We're not supposed to be comfortable here. We're not supposed to be at home here. This is not the I'm going to sit on my couch through life with my feet kicked up watching TV kind of thing. We're not supposed to feel at home here. There's a tension because I don't want to be here. This is not vacation. This is the commute. And that's not always fun, although it's full of grace. It's not going to be easy every single day. And he says, every believer will struggle. You praise God today that your struggles are little compared to what some people are dealing with today. There are people in countries today that are dying while I'm saying this because they will not renounce their faith in Jesus. Your struggle is light today. There are believers who are locked up in chains today and not even able to move today. Maybe have been there for weeks today. Maybe haven't eaten for a long time today. And their struggle is big and real compared to our struggle. And I'm not lightening your struggle today or saying your struggle's not real today. I'm just saying every believer will struggle. Your struggle, praise God, isn't with the gun today. Every believer will struggle. Struggle is a reality of this life. And yours may be huge. It may be. I'm not making light of that today. But God still moves in it. He says these struggles are, same sufferings are being experienced by every believer in the whole world. But then he says this. In 10, he says, now the God of all grace, he starts reminding us today of the truth of who God is. Now the God of all grace, this is our God. Yes, we're going to struggle. Yes, struggle is a reality. Yes, we're going to deal with things. Yes, death is going to come. Yes, sickness is going to come. Yes, heartache is going to come. Yes, despair is going to come. Yes, sorrow is going to come. Sin is going to come. But don't forget about this God. When it comes, don't forget about this God. This is our God. Look up. Somebody's coming to kill you, and it's going to be rough. There's going to be days where you have to fight, and you feel like you're fighting for your life. But look up. 
Stand on the faith. We're all doing this together. We're all struggling together. We try to hide our struggles and act like everything's okay. And we're doing a disservice to each other because we believe we're alone in our struggle. And nobody's alone in your struggle. We all struggle. And he's like, look, even in the struggling, there is a God. And you need to look at him today. This is the God. Even in the hardest moments, this is the God of all grace. This is who our God is. Now, we know grace, but let's just put it up for a minute. Grace is the free and unmerited or unearned favor of God. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. That's grace. But look at this. As manifested in the salvation of sinners. Amen. I made it. Not because of me, but because of him. He loved me at my very worst moment. What's it say in the Bible? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's manifested grace. This unmerited, unearned favor is shown to us because he's willing to save people like us. But listen to this, and the bestowal of blessings. This is our God. I need you to know that. If we're going to stand on this bedrock and we're going to suffer together through this thing and we're going to struggle through this thing, we cannot lose sight that God is good. Even on the worst days, God is good. Even when my marriage is falling apart, God is good. Even when everything's falling apart and the world's crumbling around me, God is good. God did not change. He's the same yesterday as he was today. He's faithful even when we're faithless. That's what it's saying right here. you got to focus on this God. you got to know this God. If you're going to make it through, if you're going to stand, if you're going to fight, if you're going to resist and you feel like the devil's foot's on your neck, you got to know before you take that next breath, God is good. He says, this is the God of all grace that we're talking about here. And this is what he's done. He's called you. Yeah, I know death is hard, but God called you. He's called you. I know sickness is hard, but God's, I know cancer is crazy, but God's called you. I know that what they did to you is so wrong, but God's called you. I know nobody should have treated you that way or talked to you that way, but you got to look. This is a good God. Even in our worst moments, this is a good God and he's full of grace and he loves you. And he called you. He calls us back to this moment. That's what we got to know. We got to know. If you're going to stand, you got to know he's there. You got to know you're his. It's a bedrock of the faith, right? I'm not saved because somebody told me I was saved. I'm not saved because I've said a prayer in the front of the room one day. I'm saved because I've tried to leave God and he just won't leave me. I've questioned it over and over and over again because I'm living in this flesh and, and, and I'm a sinful man. And I'm like, God, I'm not living in accordance with your word. What does that mean? Do I even know you? And he said, you're mine. You need to repent, but you're mine. <laughs> And you got to know that if you're going to fight. Mom told me I was saved. You, you better get something better than that. I cried. You better get something better than that. You got to struggle with it. You got to wrestle with it. And you got to know. He says, this is a good God. And he's called you. He called you to his eternal glory his eternal beauty and majesty yes this world is a struggle but we ain't made for this world we're going somewhere better than this world we're going to a beautiful place full of the majesty and the wonder and the glory of god we're leaving this place hallelujah and cancer is going to stay here and death is going to stay here and sickness is going to stay here all those things that are holding us back they're going to stay here abuse is going to stay here all those things all the sin all that shame it's going to stay here all those things are staying here but i'm not i was not made for this place i was made for somewhere better and he's saying you got to know that if you're going to struggle through this thing if you're going to make it you got to focus you got to know where you're heading and you got to know who you're heading toward he says he's called us to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, in the cross of Christ, and in the suffering, listen to this, of Christ, God has made beauty. 
Man, in this story, as he says, you're going to struggle, there's a reminder that in struggle is beauty. We think the absence of struggle is the presence of God, but really God was always present in the struggle so much so that he left heaven to come down into struggle and to struggle to make beauty out of struggle. If you're struggling today, God is manufacturing today beauty where you are. And you got to know that if you're going to resist. And he says, this God, listen to this, it's amazing. This is who our God is, and this is what he's done, and you can resist. If you can just grab hold of that, if you can know that, you can resist. And listen to what this God will do. This God will personally, not by proxy, not by preacher, not by emissary, not by evangelist. This God will personally, he will step down into your story. He will personally restore you. Oh, Can we just look at that? To restore is to return someone or something to a former condition, place, or position. He will personally pull you back where you came from. But number two is to repair or renovate a building or a work of art. I love that. Vehicle. So as to return it to its original condition. You may be the most broken you've ever been right now. And you may just be wondering today how I'm going to take my next breath. And you may be thinking there's no way God could ever put me back together. I've heard messages and I've heard songs and there's nothing doing it. And what God is saying today is you hold on. I've not lost a piece. I will personally step down into your story and I will put you back together. You hold on. He's telling you to run. Do not run. He's telling you to stop fighting and to give up. Do not stop fighting and give up. We're going to struggle for a moment, but at the end of the struggle, God's stepping into the story and he's putting every piece back together in its place. Like a beautiful work of art, you will not believe what God's going to do in your story if you'll just struggle forward today. If you'll just endure. He said God will personally restore you. He says he will establish you. Can we look at that for a moment? establishes to make something firm or stable. You may feel today like the whole world is crumbling around you, like everything's falling apart, and God's saying, nope. I'll give you something to stand on today. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. Everything's falling apart. My home's falling apart. My life's falling apart. My job's falling apart. I'm falling apart. God says, hold on. I'm going to give you somewhere to stand. You've been standing in this place and I know what you feel like. It's not true today. You just hold on and I'm going to give you a firm place to stand. God will personally restore us if we struggle forward. He will personally establish us if we struggle forward. If we keep going, these are things that he promises. It says that he will strengthen us. Can you just look at that? Strengthen is to make or become stronger. You may feel the weakest you've ever felt in this moment. God said, I'm stepping down into the story and I can make you strong again. You're not going to feel like this forever. You're not going to feel weak and worn out and weary forever. You're not going to feel like you're barely making it forever, like you're limping along forever. If you just look forward, if you look towards who I am and what I do, and you remember and you press on and you keep struggling, just keep fighting, I will make you strong. Anybody else, man, this is good. And he says, I will support you. I will support you. To support is 
to bear all or part of the weight of something, to hold something up. You may feel like you can barely stand right now. Like you don't know how you're going to carry this anymore. And God says, you keep on carrying it. And when you get to where you can't, I'll carry it for you. You just keep coming. If you need help, I'm here to help. You, you, can, you can limp along and I'll get the other piece of this. But man, if you get to the point where you're just so worn out, you don't know, I'll carry it for you. This is what he promises. He says, now the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally restore and establish and strengthen and support you after you have suffered a little. And then he writes this in verse 11. To him be the dominion forever. Amen. Do we have dominion? Dominion is to have sovereignty or control. What is he saying? God's in control today. God is in control today. And what? An amazing truth. God is in control today. Can can I just say today, you don't have to have any control today. Because God is in control today. You don't have to know the plan today because God knows the plan today and he's in control. It doesn't have to make sense today. Because it all makes sense to God because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our our thoughts. We We don't have to get it all today. We just have to believe that God gets it all today. I know for some of us today, maybe we we feel like we don't know where we are and why we're here and why we're going through this. Can I just get an amen? There's just some confirmation today. I, I don't know why my life is like this. I don't know why I have to go through this. I don't, I don't know why the struggle is like this. I don't know why my home is like this or work is like this. I don't, I don't know why I'm like this. And maybe for some of us today, we're, we're on the verge of just quitting. And I want you to know today, this is for you. You walked in this place and you were worn out and you were weary and you thought you were done. You didn't think you could carry on. You didn't think you could make it past this hurdle. You didn't think you could get to the next moment. And it wasn't like you were just willing to quit on this thing or this person. You were like at the verge of quitting on God when you walked in this room. Because God, this isn't what I signed up for. This confirmation. Anybody ever thought that before? I've thought it. I'll just raise my hand. Nobody else does. That's cool. God, I don't know why. It's not what I thought it was going to be. It's not what I thought I was going to go through. This is not what I I thought I was signing up for. This is not the contract that I thought we did when we we got down here. I thought I got down here. And I I heard over and over again growing up, it's all going to be okay. Just come to Jesus and it's all going to be okay. And again, eternally, man, it is. We're going to a better place. There'll be no sickness there, death there, or sorrow there. There'll be no hurt there. There'll be no abuse there. There'll there'll be no depression and anxiety there. None of those things are going to make it beyond this place into that place. They're not going to make it, but they're very real and very present here, aren't they? Hurt is real here. Sorrow, it's real here. Death is real here. Most of us know because we've experienced it over and over and over again. Sickness, it's real here. Maybe some of you are walking through it today. But we weren't made for here. We were just passing through.
the reality of it is everybody's going to see death. Everybody's going to deal with sorrow. Everybody, everybody's going to struggle. Everybody's going to fight for their life. Everybody's going to go through that. But you don't have to go through it alone. You don't have to walk through that on your own power today. You, you can be broken today. It's okay. And you can be honest about that. But you can't forget that there's a God who says, I'm putting the pieces back together. You can, you can be weary and worn out today, but you can't forget today that there's a God who says, I'm going to strengthen you. You can feel like your world's falling apart today, but in the midst of all that shaking, you can't forget that there's a God who says, I'll give you somewhere to stand today. And you can feel like you can't carry this anymore, but you cannot forget today that there's a God who says, I'll carry it for you. What does he say? Cast your cares on me because I care for you. Come and humble yourself under the mighty hand of God today. It's okay to struggle. It's not okay to forget that our God is a good God even when we struggle. It's okay to be hurt. It's not okay to forget that God was hurt for us and he's still good. Even even in the struggle, he's manufacturing something beautiful today. So what's he saying today? Focus. Focus. Yes, that's bad, but focus. You you look at me. Yes, I I get that, but look at me. I know what's going on over there. Look at me. I know what's happening around you. Look at me. I know what it feels like, but look at me. I know what's going on inside of you more than anybody else, but look at me. I know what your heart's saying, but look at me. I know you're struggling, but you got to look at me. I know it feels like you're just being ripped apart right now, but you got to look at me. You got to look at me. You got to look at me. Focus, focus, look up. Somebody's trying to kill you and I'm going to get you through this thing. I'm going to get you through this. You gotta, you gotta come. You gotta run. You gotta come. You gotta run towards me. You, you gotta, you gotta quit looking at all that stuff. You gotta come here. Come right here. Come right here. I got you. I got you. Come on. I'll carry you. I got you. I, I know. Just press on a little bit longer. I got you. Just keep going. I got you. I'll get you there. But you gotta come. I, I got you. I'm gonna do the work. But you gotta come. Nobody ever run a race without getting worn out. And God's saying to you today, run. And when you get worn out, run. And when it feels like you can't go any longer, run. Resist. You, f- you fight for your life. Because that's what I want for you is life. And I'll get you there.